I am always optimistic about the future of education. We have a strong education system and I'm continually positive because we're just really lucky as a state. Utah is proud to be home to the best teachers and the brightest students in the nation. Investing in education is the best way to invest in the future generation and future prosperity of our state, which is why the legislature is putting students, parents, and teachers first. Joining us in this episode to talk more about how we're advancing education for Utah students and teachers is the chair of our Higher Education Appropriations Subcommittee, Karen Peterson. Representative, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. So, Representative, last year the legislature passed the largest single pay increase for teachers in our state history. Can you tell us how we're building on last year's successes to help increase teacher retention? Well, last year it was a nice increase for our educators. I really appreciate the WPU increases we've been able to do the last couple of years because they've made a big difference in the starting salaries and then also all throughout the pay scale that we can really support our educators so they can support their families at home and feel like that we value the work that they do because we very much do. So this year, we've got another couple of bills coming to support our educators. So one of the ones that I'm running that I'm most excited about is House Bill 221. So this bill would set up a stipend to pay our student teachers. So currently in our state, about 42% of educators do not stay uh, longer than five years. And that's a challenge, and it's a cost, both to our state and to our school districts, and also it impacts our students. We have learned through research that the best thing we can do is get our teachers off on the right foot right at the beginning. Currently, student teachers are not paid. That last semester when they're required to do their full-time student teaching, they are paying their tuition, they're paying their rent, they're paying for all of the bills that just life is expensive, and we're not paying them anything to do it. So <laughs> that's, that's a challenge. So some of our teachers are working second jobs in the evening. Some of them are, they're deferring that semester so that they can save some money so they can afford to do their student teaching. So this just creates a small stipend program that that semester they can apply for so that they can afford to be student teachers and they can afford to take that semester to really focus on learning how to plan lessons and learning uh, how to differentiate curriculum for different learners in their classroom and learning how to do IEPs and work with special education students. There's a lot that it takes to be a good quality teacher and we want them to be able to really focus on learning those skills during that semester. So I'm excited about that, Bill. It's passed our House Education Committee. It will be heard on the floor this week. And this week, I'll be asking for a budget appropriation also in our budget committee. Mm -hmm. So really just trying to remove some of those barriers and help with that pipeline of teachers so that we can ensure that we continue to have educators going forward in the future. Is that fair to say? That's kind of what we're trying to tackle here. Yes, definitely. So I've been working with all of the deans of the colleges of education in our state, and they have been sending me story after story of how difficult it is for so many of our students to do this full-time student teaching experience. We have, you know, of course, traditional students still that are coming through and are 20, 22 years old, but it's also not unusual for people to change careers midstream in their lives. So we have a lot of people with families that are trying to come into teaching and they're bringing great life experience with them. They're people we'd love to welcome into the profession, but this really has become a barrier 
for many of them becoming educators. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a number of other pieces of legislation aimed really at trying to help improve the education system here in the state. Can you talk about some of those efforts as well that you have going with Senator Fillmore and others in order to really try and improve our K-12 and our higher education systems? Yeah, so all of my colleagues are invested in education. And so, of course, I'm not the only one thinking about education and how we improve it. There's some other bills that are coming from some of my colleagues that I'm excited about as well. So uh, Representative Perucci has thought a lot about uh, maternity leave. Our profession, especially uh, classroom educators, is still primarily women in our state and often in their childbearing years. And we want to make sure that they have the opportunities to support their own families through good maternity leave policies, but also still then remain in teaching, that that's still an option for them. So I'm excited about that bill. I think that one's um, coming down the pipeline pretty soon that we'll be able to vote and support. And then also I've been working with Senator Fillmore. One of the things that I heard actually from my kid's principal. So she was my kid's principal for four or five years. Now she actually works for the state board. And she reached out recently and said, we really need to simplify the educator evaluation process. And it's all in code. It's very paperwork intensive. Uh, It requires reports that nobody reads. And there's got to be a better way for our educators on the ground to have the principals evaluate how they're doing as educators, just like we evaluate all of our employees but reduce some of the burdensome bureaucracy that maybe we have created around educator evaluations. So Senator Fillmore and I are working on a bill. Um, it's called Teacher Empowerment, Educator Empowerment. And that piece is in that bill, which would simplify evaluations, but it also gives our school districts a little bit of lead time to move to a system that kind of creates, we call it formative and summative assessment. So think about it kind of like a teacher checks in with their students with a formative assessment. That's kind of like an end of chapter quiz or a spelling test to just make sure kids are comprehending, right? And then at the end of the year, we give a summative assessment. That's like our state rise assessment or an ACT, like a big test at the end. So this would almost put educator evaluations in a similar rotation. So they would have a formative assessment every year, kind of an employee evaluation where they're observed and those types of things. Then every four years, at least, the teacher would have a summative assessment, the big assessment where we really check in. We make sure they've got good goals to increase their craft and their practice, how we support them in doing that. And then we do the kind of the big assessment every four years. But it will really cut down on the the bureaucracy around educator evaluation that we have created, but still ensure we have quality teachers in our classrooms. So there's two other kind of components there. You know, parents do have an opportunity when a teacher is going through a summative evaluation to give feedback on how they feel like it's going in their kids' classrooms. And actually the students take often a survey as well to talk about how they feel like they fill in that classroom, and and all of that is used in a teacher evaluation currently, and that will stay. One of the things, though, we do want to pull out of teacher evaluations is we've seen in our state more and more students who are chronically absent. And as a teacher, it's really difficult to be judged on how a student's doing academically when they have not been in your class. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the frustrations we've heard from educators is I'm happy to be held accountable for how the students in my room are doing, but when the student is only here one day a week, or not showing up to class, it doesn't really quite feel fair to say you're going to evaluate my performance based on a student that is chronically absent. So that's also in the bill I'm working on with Senator Fillmore. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen this worrying trend of chronic absenteeism start to rise within the state as well as nationally. What are some of the efforts that the legislature is doing in order to help combat this and make sure that we have our kids in our schools where they can continue to learn? So last session, we had some legislation around some additional tools for school districts around chronic absenteeism. 
It really is a family outreach event, though. To get kids to school, it really is, takes us working with the parents and the families. We heard recently in our public education interim committee an incredible program that's happening up in Wasatch School District tied in with Latinos in Action, where they have really involved those families. They have families helping with attendance issues, and they've really engaged those parents. So the way we're going to solve chronic absenteeism really is a family community effort. It's not about punitive measures on parents. It's really about expressing and showing the value of education, helping parents understand what their student's missing when they're not there, and helping overcome any barriers that maybe a family is have, having in getting their student to school. Often those are barriers around employment or mental health challenges happening in the home. So the more we can get those parents headed in the direction that they need to have resources to support in those areas so that their students can be in school. Mm-hmm. So really this education policy is all about trying to involve parents and families within the child's education, that trying to mold teachers, parents, students, all pull in the same direction, really helping to improve those outcomes. Yeah, parents are the first and most important teacher a child will ever have. And then second most important is in the classroom, having a quality educator, right? So when we look at education outcomes, parents are the most important part of that. And we want them to be able to make decisions about their child's education system. And we want them involved in their child's education experience. So So now speaking of families, obviously the financial times are hard at the moment. What are some of the steps that the legislature is taking to reduce some of the financial burdens on those Utah families? So I think we have all, maybe if you're parents, especially of secondary students, junior high or high school students, had the experience of registering your kid and then being a little alarmed, a little some sticker shock. When you see how much registration costs and how much some of those classes cost for your students to take, especially in our high schools. So we've been working a couple of years on some proposals to reduce school fees, specifically fees for classes that are required for graduation. So we're not talking about if someone is on the football team or cheerleading and their cost to participate in those programs. So we're not talking about that. Extracurriculars are probably going to still have some fees involved, but specifically for courses that are required for a student to graduate and then parents having to pay a fee for a kid to take a biology class or some of those basic classes that they need to take, but then it becomes a burden on the parents. One of the challenges with the fee waiver system that we have, I mean, we do have a fee waiver system where families with certain income thresholds receive waivers, is it's an all or nothing system. So if someone is right on the edge and they have a couple of kids they might not qualify for a fee waiver. And it's it's a matter of paying nothing or paying everything. It's not scalable. And that's a huge burden on so many families. And we want families to have kids in Utah. We want them to feel like we support them in having kids. Kids are the best asset we have as a state. We want strong families. We want families with kids. These school fees really are a challenge for Utah families. You know, two, three hundred bucks to just sign your kid up at the beginning of the school year. And if you have a couple of kids, it adds up really quickly. So we've been talking about how do we help our school districts so we don't lose programming and those kinds of things that we do realize, you know, school fees are helping pay for. But also understanding that this does come at a cost to our families. And we want our kids to graduate. We want them to take that biology class. So we're looking at how we can reduce those required fees to help families out and also just make sure that kids are not not signing up for certain classes maybe they would like to take that are required for graduation because of a fee. 
Now, as a policymaker who works a lot in this area in education policy with your other colleagues as well, what does the future of education look like to you in Utah? Moving forward, obviously, the legislature has made a lot of significant changes over the last several years to try and improve outcomes in the classrooms and with our students and with our teachers. What do those efforts look like rolling forward for you? The legislature has made strong investments in public education, and we value public education. There's sometimes this narrative out there that we do not, but we do. And you know we value it by looking at our budget. We spend a huge proportion of our budget on our education system. And it's because we value families and we want those choices to be quality choices. 90% of our parents are choosing public schools. So that needs to be a quality choice for our families. So they can go to their neighborhood school or their charter school in their area and have that experience for their student. There are still challenges in education. There always will be. Overwhelmingly, we've heard concerns about behaviors in classrooms and just the stress of being teachers. And sometimes I think we have been a little guilty of saying, well, kids are in school. The schools can help solve that problem. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time for us to maybe say, we really want our schools to focus on math. We really want our students reading. We really want our kids to be set up to be successful in a post-secondary career, whether that's technical college or going to university. And when we pile on our schools, that's a problem because then it takes away the time and energy and focus of those educators who are trained professionals to teach our kids how to read, how to do math and social studies and science, all of those things, because we've added a lot of burdens on their plates. And it's time for us to say, how else can we support families but not keep piling on our schools. And we've got to pull some of that back. Our educators in our state are phenomenal. They are phenomenal people. They are trying to do their best. They are qualified and well-trained. And I want them to be able to use their time the best way possible, which is in those basic things that they are trained to do and to support our students in. I think going forward, we have to continue all these conversations about how we preserve their time and ensure that they have the ability to do the job that they want to do and that we hired them to do. Mm-hmm. I am always optimistic about the future of education. We've had rough go the last couple of years. Just generally in education, there's been so much disruption. But if you look what our students have done through that time period and our teachers have done through that time period, you know we have a strong education system. And I'm continually positive because I see these young teachers that have been talking this week about how important, you know, stipends are for them to become future educators. And they're phenomenal people and they want to, you know, be teachers. And we're, we're just really lucky as a state. Well, Representative, we appreciate you and the work that you're doing with your colleagues in order to really forward our education and our education outcomes here in the state. We look forward to seeing exactly where these policies land us and grateful for you taking the time today. Thank you.